Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Finding Joy Through Life's Trials podcast. I'm your host, Becca Ingersoll. I've had more than my fair share of trials, but I prefer to focus on the positive. This podcast is about leaning into faith and choosing to find blessings in your life even when life is hard. You can expect conversations that will put a smile on your face, a lump in your throat, and a fire in your soul every week on this podcast. I'm hoping this will become a safe place for all of us to come together and help one another realize that we are truly never alone. Now, kick back, take a moment for yourself, and listen in for some tips on how you too can find the roses amidst the thorns of life. Hello, welcome my listener friends. I am here today joined by my wonderful friend that I've never met in person, but Facebook friend, Carolee Garrison. How are you, Carolee? I'm awesome. How are you? I am doing so good. So we have known each other, known in quotation marks, maybe, um, virtually for like over a year and a half now, I think. Yeah. Um, did we meet in Kathy's boot camp two falls ago? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. So um, Carolee is an amazing podcast host. She has two podcasts out now. She is starting a podcast coaching business. She's a motivational speaker. And is that weren't enough? She's a singer songwriter and a mama to, is it three special needs kiddos? Yep. Yep. So she has a full plate, but she is so inspirational and you are going to love her. Um, We met, like I was saying, she is in the podcasting world. And so last fall so 2022 we both took a podcasting a free podcasting course from Kathy Heller and I didn't sign up that year you guys know that I did this past fall did you take it last year Mm-mm. no not till this year okay yep. but she had already been podcasting and she's been doing it for over two years now is that right yep. mm-hmm. and it's so funny because we obviously gravitated toward one another because we have very similar stories and similar talents as well. I don't know if you knew this, but I used to act and sing on stage awesome. and I want to get back into it, but um, eventually, you know, season. And is your hair naturally red? Yep. That's what I thought. She's a redhead for special needs kiddos. And her first podcast is called Seeking Sunshine and it's its original kind of theme that it was focused on around is very similar to mine. Do you want to talk about your two podcasts right now? Sure. So Seeking Sunshine, I started because I really wanted to tell my story, which is a lot like yours. And it was all about finding the positive in the trials of life. And it has since kind of evolved to um, do what lights you up, where um, we still talk about, you know, finding the sunshine, but it's more about like how do you find the sunshine in your passions as like a busy mom how do you find the sunshine in the day-to-day ways that you can pursue your passions and do the things that you really love which is so hard to do sometimes when you're you know wrapped up in motherhood and it seems and feels like it's really impossible to 
you know, do anything but like, you know, clean your house and give to your kids all day long. Because I really have, you know, come to realize that the more that you do the things that you really love to do in your life, the greater capacity that you have to give to those around you. So true. And so podcasting, it turns out, is what really lights me up. And so I have come to see that the more that I engage in podcasting, the more I talk to amazing people like you, the more that I'm like, oh, I can listen to my podcast and edit it while I do the dishes and it makes doing the dishes so much more fun. You know, I can listen to other people's shows while I'm cleaning my living room and do all these things and it just makes life so much better. And so now I teach podcasting and I started my second podcast, which is called Podcast Like a Mother. And it's just I a little short. I love it. <laughs> it's little short, um, 20 minute or less episodes that just teach podcasting made easy. And I also teach podcasting made easy in my masterclass and one-on-one coaching program. And she is such a great teacher. Even before she decided to officially go into this coaching podcasting realm, she was always the person in the group who was willing to jump in and help people. She's just so giving, has such a big heart. And someone would ask a question and she'd be right in there answering it and spending, giving of herself and her knowledge, even though she wasn't getting paid for it. She has so much knowledge to give. So tell me a little bit about some of the trials you've been through. I know them, but my listeners don't. Oh, there's so many. I know. know. Um, Well, so I've got, you know, three kids with special needs. Um, Two of them are high functioning autism. Um, So my kids are 13, 12 and nine. So my oldest and youngest have high functioning autism. And then my middle son is 12 and he's severely autistic and kind of semi-verbal and he's type one diabetic. And then on top of that, my husband has been disabled for the last decade. Mm hmm. So lots of caregiving needs, which, as you know, can be very draining. So it's so important. I'm so glad that you are filling your cup and we're learning to do that. I remember there was a podcast episode you did. I think it was before Christmas. It's while we were still in your turn to podcast and you were just so raw and vulnerable about how hard it is being a caregiver and how you have these big dreams, but so hard to pursue them when you have all of these different responsibilities and we know all moms do but it's just another level when you have special needs kiddos and I resonated so much with that episode I meant to tell you that I don't think I ever did you I remember you in the podcast group being like should I post it and it's raw I'm crying and I'm like post it because so (laughs) many other moms need to hear that do you have any insights where you are now that you wish someone would have told you or your current self could go back in time and tell your former self that would maybe make the trials a little bit easier? Oh, yeah. I actually wrote a whole song about this <laughs> there um, <you> go. <laughs> because because I'm, I'm a singer songwriter and I, I've wanted to, you know, pursue music since I was really little. Like I had my first solo when I was eight and I was mm-hmm. like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on stage. I want to be a performer. I want to speak to people. I want to sing. And then I, you know, became a mom really young and it was like, oh, my kids have special needs of weight. Not only am I a mom where it's really hard to go do what I want, but I look at my future and I go, wait a minute, I don't 
know that my kids are ever going to leave the house. Mm -hmm. And I'd hear all these other moms. They'd be like, oh, you're going to miss it one day. One day you're going to be an empty nester and they're going to leave the house and then you can live your dreams. And I'd be like, um, no, maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have a severely autistic diabetic. Like, no, I'm never going to be an empty nester. That's if my other two leave the house. But like, pretty sure that one that one's never gonna leave the house that one's never gonna be able to live on his own yeah and so like that whole future time of like someday you know having that freedom to do whatever like that's that's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. for me and so it was like oh there goes my future there goes Mm -hmm. my my whole life and my dreams and I was like I gotta figure out some other some other way and I always wanted to sing and it was I wrote this song it's called wait and the chorus is but wait maybe it doesn't have to look the way they said it did and wait maybe it's not too late to change your mind or change the world don't give up just yet wait oh I love that message and I wrote that song um after okay it took a couple years of reflection and mm-hmm. but I had this experience that changed my entire outlook on my life and it's it's my story that I share um because it's it's the the big one that like Mm -hmm. really changed everything for me right and if it's okay I'll share it please do please do we're here for the story yeah it's it's a good one so um 2018 was a really big year for our family um I, I like to say we had two years where that were like the worst years of our marriage so far. And those, those were it 2013 and 2018. So 2018 was really awful. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, the pandemic hit and it was like, Oh wait, in comparison, that felt like nothing. Like, wait, we're going to stay home and like sleep all day. Like, Oh, I can handle this. Like the worst thing we have to do (laughs) is, is nothing. Like, Oh no. With the pandemic too. I know. (laughs) It's <laughs> like, oh, this is it. So it started out with uh, we lived in San Antonio, Texas, and we lived down the street from my in-laws, and it was right at the peak of my husband's disability. And so let's see, my kiddos were about um, eight, seven, and three at the time. And my husband, um, he's got a whole slew of diagnoses. He's got severe debilitating PTSD and depression and anxiety, and he's probably on the autism spectrum, and he's got severe chronic back pain, and um, he had had back surgery in 2015 and had a spinal stimulator implanted, and he walked on a cane, and he was like 33 at the time, walking on a cane full time. He could hardly move because his leg would collapse off from under him. Um, But the other thing he had was called familial episodic ataxia. And this was a chromosomal defect. So his disability came on slowly over the course of his life. It it wasn't like a car accident or something. It just Mm -hmm. came on. And so we had been married 10 years at this point. We got married in 2008. So 2018, um, he was finally approved for SSI. And at this point, um, he was collapsing multiple times a week where he would start shaking really bad. And it was brought on by stress, whether it was too much physical stress or too much mental stress, which there was plenty of that with two kids on the autism spectrum, uh, you know, and a toddler running around. Lots of lots of stress. And then plus, you know, he couldn't work. So we had 
zero income coming in because I was his full-time caretaker and the kids and I couldn't work because I was constantly on them. So we had plenty of stress to go around. But every time he would get too stressed, he would start trembling and he would collapse Mm -hmm. and I would have to carry him to bed and he'd be in bed for the rest of the day at least. And if not, sometimes it would take multiple days before he could physically hold himself up again and he couldn't vacuum because it was too Mm -hmm. stressful he couldn't do the dishes and he definitely couldn't wash the kids because they were really stressful and they'd cause him to collapse again and so it was it was a very difficult time but we finally got approved for ssi and so you know it was like yay we kind of have a little bit of money coming in we're a little bit stabilized and the kids were in four hours a day of therapy Mm -hmm. after school yeah oh after a full day after school after school, four hours yeah. a day of ABA therapy, and we had them on all the meds, and we had them in therapy, and my husband was on 12 different medications, and he had his therapies and his doctor appointments, and everything was, like, tentatively stable. Like, <laughs> like I, we're kind of kind of treading water, but floating a little bit. Like, if we just keep really hustling, we can, we can you know, very stressful, but we're, we're making it. We can kinda, make it. Yeah. Kind of exactly. making it, right? And we got this really strong prompting that we needed to move back to Utah and finish our degrees at BYU because we're very religious and we we just we had left BYU without finishing our degrees you know a few years before that and we just had this overwhelming feeling that we needed to move and finish our degrees and we were like that's crazy. Move right? away from our whole support system. Because, I mean, my mother and father-in-law were watching our kids multiple yeah. times a week. I mean, my husband, we had a whole year where he was hospitalized, like, every month wow. for a year. Like, full-on admitted to the hospital. Like, he was not doing well. Like, it was like like his therapist was there. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. I mean, he had debilitating PTSD. Like, he needed his therapist. He needed all the things. Like, we had all the doctors established. It was like, you know, like. How could we move? How could we move and start over and not have the support? I mean, like his grandmother lived in Salt Lake, but that was an hour away. And like, she's she's 90. She can't help us with our wild kiddos. Right. And it was like. Several times that like, I've always wanted to live out of Utah. I was born and I've always lived in Utah, but I've always wanted to live out of state. And I tell people all the time, if it weren't for Lincoln and his special needs and earlier his cancer diagnosis. Yeah then we probably would have, but my, we have so much family that's close that we, we feel like we couldn't have gotten by without them being yeah. there. So I can only mm-hmm. imagine the, the yeah. thoughts running through your head when you get this prompting yeah. right then to leave. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, that's crazy. God, no thanks on that one. <laughs> pass, pass. But so like after months and months and months of this prompting, it was like, okay, Fine. And then we got the, the back pay for SSI. And it was like, oh, now it's possible. <laughs> yeah, we have the money to do so. Oh, yeah. well, it was like, sorry, God, that's impossible. Can't do right. it. And then it was like, oh, you made it possible. Okay. <laughs> Crap. Now, we, oh, all right. So I was I was praying about it. And, we, you know, we like went to the temple about it. And I was like, okay, fine. I get it. That's what we're supposed to do. Like, you don't like, I'm no longer praying whether or not this is the right thing to do. I'm yeah. now like, I, I, I was praying like, all right. But are we gonna be okay? Mm-hmm. But are we, are we gonna like are, are we gonna survive this? Yeah. 
as a family, like, are we gonna, are we gonna be okay? Yeah. How are we going to? Yeah. And I got this like crystal clear answer and I've never gotten like an answer in like words before, but I got like an answer in like actual words. And the answer was, it's not just going to be okay. It's going to be amazing. Mm, That gave me chills. And then what followed was the worst year of my life. Isn't that so So, often the case? Yes. Yes. So we went through the awful process of moving. And then when you've got the kids and the husband who can't move, like it was pretty much all in me. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and then my kids did things like, oh, I was like, I'm going to pack up all of your toys first so that you, you know, can't destroy all that. And then my son would like pull out all of the cleaning wipes and big, huge, like, Mm -hmm. like this is a jump rope now, mom. And it was like, okay, anyways, moving sucks always is my, and especially with when it's on your own and especially with little kids who are not Right. Yeah. 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 So it was just, it was so much fun. And then we had all these different trials with like trying to find a place to move into from afar. And our credit was terrible and like trying to find a place to rent from many states away. And my husband flew up to Utah to try to find a place. And the first place we paid them and it fell through. And then the second place was my miracle house. And then that one turned out to be a really bad experience. And we had to move a year later. And it was just, We had some really huge trials within our first year of moving. Um, But the biggest trial happened just a few months after we moved in October. So we moved around August. And um, my my preface to this this big life-changing thing that happened was that I had – this moment and and I should also say that like you know we we moved we lost all the doctors we lost mm-hmm. all the therapies and oh, in moving, so much we, work to get all of those oh yeah I mean we were put on these wait lists mm-hmm. for a year so I my was kids say in Utah yeah. the wait lists are massive yeah so like my kids no longer had any therapy it was like you know trying to get in to see the doctors was like so hard it's like we lost so much in that move and it's like when you've got kids with autism like you need therapy and like trying to get into the schools like it was extraordinarily stressful and so I had Aurora who was eight and she was in second grade and then I had Joshua who's severely autistic completely and utterly nonverbal, and he was seven and then I had Benjamin and he was in preschool and he was like three or four and my husband and I were both full-time students Mm. at BYU so I had three kids at three different schools and then both of us are full-time college students. So, like, life was I don't insane. Know how wow. And, and he wasn't in full-time pre-K either because Utah doesn't do full-time I know. Finally, pre-K. they do the year after my kids were yeah. in kindergarten. <laughs> it was like, yeah. So, he's nine now. So, this was okay. this was 2018. Yeah, yeah, it was like, they. so we, I think we were actually paying for, like, a few more days so we could, like, it was crazy. Um, but I had this moment and I call it my like Facebook meltdown moment oh, where no. I went on Facebook live and I was like, I give up on Joshua ever talking. He's completely and utterly nonverbal. He's seven years old and I can't handle hoping and praying oh. anymore that he's going to talk. I can't do it anymore. I give up. I'm never going to hear my son say, mom, I'm never going to hear him say, I love you. And I can't keep hoping for this because obviously this is God's plan that my son's never going to talk and I give it up. It's up, you know, I I can't control this because obviously I thought the, you know, the, 
the path and everything. Yeah. I thought the path was like, you put your kid in the therapy, you do all the therapy, you kill yourself off doing therapy for your whole life because it literally takes over everything. I mean, forget about like soccer practice and like being an ordinary person and having mom friends like that doesn't exist. You just live therapy. That's all there is. And I was like, I can't. I give up. He's just never going to talk. I can't keep hoping for this. And we had Benjamin, who was only like three years old, praying every night that his brother would have a voice. And I was like, I can't keep having my three-year-old pray for his brother to talk. I can't do this anymore. I give up. And it's amazing as I look back on that moment, like that seems so sad. And it was so profound. And it's like sometimes we have to give up on things looking our way. Yep. And and, and according to our plans, like back to that song, like maybe it doesn't have to look the way that we plan it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to open ourselves up to the possibility that things can look different ways. And so it was probably only a week later that, you know, our lives were changed Again. forever. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was the first weekend of October, which you probably know is a, is a memorable weekend for most of us. And I remember that weekend, you know, specifically because Friday night before I was taking my kids to the grocery store and I had Josh in the cart and I'm going, what can I buy you so that you will be quiet tomorrow mm-hmm. for conference? Like, I'm like, what can I buy you so we can sit and just enjoy conference? Because you have to understand something about joshua (laughs) and who joshua was joshua seven severely autistic and yes um completely nonverbal. but i mean that meant that he just yelled and screamed all the time this was my kid who i had to have a lock on the front door because he would run out the front door and into the middle of the road and open people's cars while they were driving (sighs) like while they were in motion like, I have so much PTSD from this kid. He has set our fridge on fire. He has wrecked our truck while it had no keys in it. Like, this is my kid who we would get into a parking lot, and before I could unbuckle my seatbelt, he'd be out the front door because the side ones were childlike. He'd yeah, be out the yes. front door and halfway down the parking lot to open another person's van. Like, I could not take my eyes off of this kid yeah for a moment because he's constantly a danger to himself like never ending like always on him and so you know we had our trip to the store and i bought him orange soda which was his favorite thing in the world and i was like maybe that'll keep him quiet for a moment so we can watch the the church conference on saturday um and hopefully that makes sense to most of the people listening but if it doesn't that hopefully i don't know hopefully there's enough context there um and then saturday morning the image that you know i saw is something that is seared into my mind that i will never ever forget because he walked out of his room that day. walked, by the way, he didn't run or sprint yeah. or bounce. He walked yeah. out of his room that day and he looked like a completely different kid. And he liked to come out of his room like just in a pull up and he looked like he had lost a ton of weight overnight. Oh. Just like he was skin and bones. He 
you could see all of his ribs and you could see this thigh gap and the instant comparison that came to my mind which i don't usually say this because it's really horrific but it, the instant comparison that came to my mind was like the pictures holocaust i've seen of survivors. people was a holocaust survivor yeah. I, I, and i've thought that with cancer patients as well lincoln included it's yeah. really the worst thing that can come mm -hmm. go to a parent's mind is to yeah. see your kid and go that's what my kid looks like right now and it was so awful and i and i was just like oh my gosh, where have I been? Because there's no way he lost that much weight overnight. Have I just been so absent because I've been in college full time and we just moved? Have I just not noticed him? And I took a picture and I sent it to his school teacher and I was like, did, did he look like this yesterday? And she's going, no, uh -huh. no, that what happened? Like this happened overnight. Like, whoa, he did not look like this yesterday. And I had like my brain, brain like split and I had this like, you know, mama bear freak out where I'm like, oh. he's dying. This is the end of the world. Like what's happening here? And then I had the like logical part of my brain, which was like, he's just sick. Kids get sick. It's just like a stomach bug. Just let him be sick. He'll get better. Like kids get better. Like things happen. Like you don't need to panic. Be calm. So I let the logical part of my brain win. And mm -hmm. he walked out to the living room and he curled up in a ball on the floor. And he stayed that way mm -hmm. all weekend. And it was like, oh my gosh. And part of my brain was like, I might actually get to listen to Cobras. Mm -hmm. yep. Part of me was like, this is kind of a relief. I feel a little guilty, but this is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. And he curled up on my lap and he would never sit on my lap ever. It was such like a thing that I took pictures of it because he mm -hmm. would never sit on my lap ever. It was amazing in both horrible and good ways. Like... Mm -hmm. My kid yeah. wants to snuggle with me. The kid who will never come like near me because he's always bouncing off the walls. Um, so then he stayed that way all weekend. And then by Monday morning, he was still really sick. And I was oh. like, okay, it's it's time. It's time to go to the doctor. So I took him to the pediatrician on Monday. And he was so weak. I had to carry him in. Yeah, at, at seven, year old, uh, seven years old when you hadn't been ever before. Yeah. Yeah. I had to carry him into the doctor's office. Because he was so weak that he couldn't like stand on his own. And I carried him into the pediatrician's office and she barely looked at him. Mm. He was curled up in a ball on the floor and she just like stepped over him and was like, ah, it's just a stomach bug. He'll be fine. Give him a couple days. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I've You're got like, three I know kids. My kid. Yeah. I've got three kids. This is not my first rodeo. Like, I've been here before. I've never seen anything like mm -hmm. this. And Before especially with him, this, yeah. Like, like usually it's like a day and they bounce back. We're on three and he's not any better. He's just getting worse. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I guess we could like get some blood work. But he's got autism and it's really hard to get blood from a kid with autism. So just give it a few more days. And so she sent us home with nothing. Wow. She didn't do anything for How him. disheartening and sad. Yeah, and so I had to carry him out, and we went home, and a couple days later, we were still, you know, full-time college students, and, you know, we're trading off, like, who's staying home with the sick kid, and who's going to their college classes, and who's missing all their stuff, 
And so I was sitting in my class and my husband was home with Josh and he texted me a picture of Joshua who was laying in bed, which he would never lay in bed. He only slept on the floor. And so I was like, he's laying in bed. But he looked so much worse. Mm -hmm. Like his skin was turning gray and his eyes were sunken in. And I looked at that picture and I was like, nope. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 done. I'm done watching my kid die in front of my eyes. I'm done. And I walked out of my college class, which I'm very much type A, you know, all good grades, never have walked out of class in my life. I left my class <laughs> and I took him to the ER and I had to carry him in there because he was still too weak to walk. And they took one look at him mm-hmm. and they knew exactly what was wrong with him and they were like we need blood from this kid right now Uh and i tell you what it took five grown men and me holding him down because he fought like a freaking saber-toothed tiger Uh to get one little drop of blood from his finger Uh but all it took was that one drop of blood to confirm that he was in DKA, he was in diabetic ketoacidosis, and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And they sent us off to Primary Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. which I know you're really familiar with. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we drove off to Primary Children's. And Where were you living at the t- well, you were going to BYU, so Oramish. So we were in Provo, and oh, I had okay. actually called the doctor at the pediatrician's office and I was like can we get this blood work done and she was like yeah but it could take like three days and I was like nope done hung up and then I called our um developmental pediatrician in Salt Lake and I was like can we get him in to be seen and she was like yeah but just go to the ER but don't go to your local ER go to like primary (laughs) no she was like go to the primary children's closest to you which is in like Riverton yeah so I went to Primary Children's Riverton. Got it. Okay. And then my phone GPS wasn't working. So I drove because they didn't want to like send an ambulance because they were like, it'll just be faster if you drive. Yeah. And yeah. I got lost in the oh, dark no. on my way from Primary Children's Riverton to Primary Children's Salt Lake. And I like was on the side of the road sobbing. And that's not usually a part of the story. Tell, but so it's sorry. like, no, it's fine. It's just like things right yes so we finally finally like at night on wednesday get to the er and and they admit him and like and i'm trying to tell all these like nurses i'm like you don't understand who this kid is as soon (laughs) as you get these drugs in him and he like wakes back up and comes back to himself he's gonna gonna tear this hospital to the ground like this is my worst nightmare it's gonna change the language on all your computers in japanese like he's gonna burn (laughs) this place to the ground like you don't know who this kid is like and they were really amazing and they like had a nurse just sit at the door of our room all night long just in case Joss woke up so that I could sleep and then of course they had someone come in like every 30 minutes every hour or something to get oh yeah another drop of blood from his finger and they didn't have a team of grown men to help me hold him down so he was like every single time was like pulling chunks of my hair out and it was um 
yeah, it was so much fun. And so then uh, the next day they, we did parent training where it was like, okay, here's how you you keep your kid alive for the rest Mm -hmm. of his life. You have to watch every single bite of food he eats ever. And then you have to calculate how many carbs and then you have to dose him with these needles and the insulin and every time he eats for the rest of his life because he's severely autistic and he'll never be able to do this on his own. So there you go. Here's, you know, six hours of parent training so you can understand how to do this. And I'm like, had no sleep and I've been in utter shock for the last few hours when I'm like, And it was probably just you, not your husband there. Oh yeah, no, because he was home with the other two kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm, I I had this moment at like, we finished all this parent training and they like send me back to the room and I'm like, good, I'm going to shower, yeah. Uh, and I had this moment where I was like, I'm going to have it out with you, God, because um, <laughs> not only is this not amazing, but this doesn't even fit under the OK category mm-hmm. in my you know, head. Like, yeah. what part of OK or amazing did you think that this like uh-huh. fit under? Because right. um, uh, we're having a disagreement here. <laughs> yes. I'm not I'm not feeling it. Um. <laughs> not not okay here with Mm -hmm. this this happening that just is is falling into my lap um but the thing is that I come back to that moment Mm -hmm. over and over and over again in my life because we have moments like that Mm -hmm. all the time Where we're like, you know, all we can see is our lives with these like blinders on where all we can see is the awful, terrible thing that's happening right now. And we can't even imagine, you know, how incredible things might end up playing out to Mm -hmm. be. We can't imagine what the next chapter might hold. All we can see is the terrible, awful thing. Yep. It's right, right in front of, front of our noses, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I have to remind myself of that moment because I know the rest of Joshua's story. Yes. And so I have to look at my life now and be like, maybe there's more to my story that I just can't see yet. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Yep. Just wait, Carolee. Maybe there's another chapter to my story. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't end here. Maybe maybe my book it doesn't end here, and there's yep. t- there's another day coming, and yep. it will all resolve and figure it out. And maybe there's some gift in this insane mm-hmm. thing that I think is the end of the world right now. Yeah, maybe there's maybe there's a gift in it. And so, you know, we go home from the hospital. We were there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm completely in shock because uh, it's only as I've told this story a hundred thousand times and looked back on this whole period Mm -hmm. that I've been like, oh, okay. Like it it takes time to to look back on your story and start seeing it. I was totally in shock Mm -hmm. like that whole time. Like it was just survival mode the whole time. So don't think that I was like, oh, yay, strength, just like totally amazing. I was, nope, I was hanging on by a thread that whole time. We get home from the hospital and um, Monday morning, Joshua went back to school and he pooped in the potty for the first time in his life. And we'd been trying to potty train him for, you know, three or four years. Like he'd peed Uh in the potty at three and then we'd been trying for like four years to get him to poop in the potty, but he wasn't eating enough 
like to be regular mm-hmm. enough to train him to poop in the potty because mm-hmm. um, he was chronically underweight. Mm-hmm. And we had actually tried him on um, prescription meds to try to yeah. increase his appetite to get him to eat because mm-hmm. he wouldn't eat. Yeah. And he pooped in the potty completely on his own, went to school, just just pooped in the potty. And it was like, oh, my gosh, just like, holy crap. And then. It's like, why did why did that happen? Probably because he suddenly started eating. Uh-huh. One of the things that happens when somebody's diagnosed with type 1 diabetes is that all of a sudden they're starving to death because the systems in their body are like their body's able to they're absorb the nutrients yeah. that it needs. And so it's not like Joshua was like, oh, yeah, vegetables. I'm just going to eat healthy from now on. No, that is not what happened. He uh, suddenly was interested in uh, corn dogs and all mm-hmm. he would eat was corn dogs. And he was eating like nine corn dogs a day. <laughs> So we were going to Costco and buying these huge boxes of corn dogs, and he was just gobbling up, gobbling them up, and it was and so much ketchup. We went through mountains of ketchup, and we still do because like kids obsessed with ketchup. Yes. Um, but he was finally starting to gain weight, and what was really incredible was that within a month of his diagnosis, he could say all of his colors. Wow. And from that you know moment on, his speech just skyrocketed and what i can tell you is that like before his diagnosis we couldn't get him to repeat like he couldn't Mm -hmm. mirror or mimic anything like he really had nothing that meant anything Mm -hmm. and then as soon as he was diagnosed like he just started improving like by leaps and bounds and with within a year i was like oh my gosh praying that he would shut up because he just wouldn't (laughs) stop talking in my face all the time (laughs) exactly and that's one of the things i say now is like there are there's blessings in every trial Mm -hmm. and there's trials in every blessing it's all about your perspective and uh he's got this thing called childhood apraxia of speech which Mm -hmm. means that it's like really he has a hard time with his fine motor movements of his mouth so he's hard to understand and so for a really long time like he was talking up a storm but a lot of people couldn't understand him and now yeah yeah now he's um doing really great at being understood and he's (laughs) and he's 12 except for uh his favorite thing to say is penis and yell penis jokes all the time and so a little part of me is like oh i wish maybe you weren't quite so great at being understood right now um he loves to um yeah so we'll go to church and he's like penis popsicle and like um it's great it's so great and i'm like i i prayed for this yes i yes. prayed for this oh yes i, I remember now yeah mm, yeah i i wanted you to be able to say whatever you wanted to say and now you do now you can say whatever you want to say and um he loves to tell grandma and grandpa shut up when mm-hmm. we um when we video chat and he'll tell you i love you when he wants you to shut up and get off the uh-huh. yeah. and um yeah he yells at me all day long <laughs> and it's like yes i prayed for this mm-hmm. prayed yep. so hard for this. um and so it's it's a miracle totally a miracle um but the other part of that story is like i had i had wanted to sing my whole life and back in 2008 when i had met and married my husband at byu i had auditioned for the school of music to get into the opera program and i didn't get in and um here we are 2018 and i was like 
I'm going to audition for the School of Music again, and I'm going to sing opera, and it's a decade later, and this is my chance to live my dream. And so Josh was was diagnosed in October, and my audition was in December. So I was like in voice lessons again and like doing the whole thing. And I was like, this is it. My dream is going to come true. This is the reason. This is the reason why God's been putting me through all this stuff so that now it's my turn. It's my turn to shine. So I auditioned in December and then I got through to the second round, which was in January. And then I found out in February that I did not get in to the School of Music. And they actually uh, reached out to me. They emailed me and they were like, please don't give up. You were so close. They only let like three or four people in this program every year. It's very, very competitive. And they were like, you were so close. Please do not give up on this. Go audition for UVU. Go audition for all the other schools. Like go audition for Utah State. Like please go audition for these other schools. Like you were so close. You are very talented. Please do not give up on mm-hmm. opera and on singing. And I, because remember, I had not yet learned these lessons that I'm, yeah. I'm now telling you. I was like, oh, the world has ended. I will never yeah. sing again. Like, I must be terrible. Like, I completely ignored their email. And yeah. I was like, I must be just the worst singer. And I'm just terrible. And this is God telling me I should never sing again. And like, I very much like meltdown status. Um, another one of the things I like to say is like, it's not about not giving up. It's about getting back up again. So I definitely gave up. I definitely had like a whole meltdown, like a whole end of the world. Very, I'm very dramatic. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Right. I'm very dramatic and I love being dramatic. And I was very much like I couldn't sing without crying for like three months. Um, But I was watching this whole time as Joshua was talking more and more and more and it was starting to dawn on me you know joshua didn't learn to talk the way that i planned he would learn to talk so true yeah you know it comes back to that song maybe maybe it didn't have to look the way that i thought it did wait a minute if josh's voice could happen in a totally different way and he and he's able to use his voice now Maybe the way that I get to use my voice could look differently too. Maybe God gave me this voice for a reason and it wasn't so I could give up right. this denial letter. And so I started having these realizations of like, wait a minute. I don't actually like opera that much. Oh no. <laughs> Wait a minute. I love Yeah. No, I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> I love singing opera. Love it. I feel like the diva. I get to hit all the high notes, which is my favorite. But I don't actually like listening mm-hmm. to opera. Right. I don't like right. going to the opera. I don't like hearing other people sing opera. I just like being the star and singing yes. opera. Yeah. Um, and I then, totally empathize with that. Yeah. And then I, I ended up um studying costume design and makeup design and I would be designing all the costumes and the makeup for the other people who were the stars of the show and I'd be so jealous and I was like wait a minute I had this realization where I was like wait if it was reversed and I got to be the star of the show then somebody else would be designing all my hair and makeup stuff for me I don't I actually don't want that 
I actually don't want someone to do my makeup or tell me what I have to. I No, I don't want. No, wait a minute. I want to do my own hair and makeup. And then I realized that, like, not only does someone else design all their hair and makeup, but every move that they make, somebody else is telling them what to do the whole time, whether that's in theater or in opera. It doesn't really matter. The star of the show is kind of just a pawn. On the stage, they, like, don't get to make any of their own choices. And I was like, I would hate that, actually. <laughs> like, oh, wait, I I don't I actually would hate that. Hmm. Wait a minute. And then I had this other realization of, like, if I had gotten this thing that I had dreamed of for, like, 20 years of my life, I would be away from my kids every night at rehearsals and, yep. and performances and like, did I stream through? Like, that's the life that yeah. I want either. Like, oh my gosh, this thing I've been dreaming of my whole life is not even what I want mm-hmm. for my life. Like, I wanted to sing and I thought that was the only place because I was waiting for someone else yes. to give me permission. Mm-hmm. Because when I was... A teenager, I posted a music video on YouTube of the song I had written, and I made a, I made a whole music video of me like walking down the street, and I had all these trolls post about how fat I was, and so I thought the only stage I could ever be successful on was as the fat lady singing in the opera, and I was like, these limited views that we have wow. in our minds, yeah, and I was like, I only pursued opera because I lacked the confidence in myself and like what if i just gave myself permission to be enough Uh as i am yep and so i pivoted and i took a songwriting class and i started learning all of the pieces i was missing because i'd been waiting for so long for somebody to be like you're a great singer let me just make you a star let me just Uh like do all the things and and Finally, I was like, I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. Especially in this day and age. Absolutely. Right? And so I learned all the things that I needed to learn. And I started writing my album. And that was right around the same time that I learned about podcasting. And I heard Kathy Heller talk about this amazing thing that was podcasting. And I started the Seeking Sunshine podcast right at the same time that I started writing my album called Seeking Sunshine. And the single that starts, there's the opener for my podcast, which is called Seeking Sunshine. And it was this whole journey of like stepping into my power and giving myself permission because I'd been waiting for so long for someone else to give it to me. But it turns out that it doesn't even matter if somebody else gives you permission, if you don't give it to yourself. You are the most important person to give yourself permission to. And it was all because of Joshua's example of like, maybe it doesn't have to look the way that I thought it did. Maybe it can look Mm -hmm. a different way. Maybe miracles are just around the corner if I can just wait for them. And so that's how his story totally changed my life and helped me step into my power and like now I get to use this amazing tool of podcasting to sing and to speak and I get to do it all from home Mm -hmm. without being gone from my kids and like so I released my album Seeking Sunshine in 
May of 2023. And now I write um, custom podcast intro songs for other podcasters. And I have my podcast and I teach podcasting. And it's like podcasting opened up this entire world to me where I get to use my voice, but I don't have to be gone every night speaking mm-hmm. on stages or singing on stages or anything yeah. like that. I get to be And here. you get to make the decisions. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's what I want to teach other moms and other women. Mm-hmm. It's like, you are so powerful. You are so powerful and you have a story to tell. And this platform is available to you right now, mm-hmm. right here. And it gets to be easy. You just have to show up. Yep. I love that motto. It gets to be easy. Um, So much to unpack in that story and several several things that you said that I want the listeners to rethink about. So first of all, I love the fact that just how you kept going back to your song, wait. And I love that idea of the word yet is so powerful. It might be that in this season of someone's life, they can't do something. But if you add that word yet at the end of the statement, then some suddenly it be, things become hopeful again. Not yet. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what our plan is. And another thing I wanted to bring out is just your idea, and we say it all the time, but the fact that I truly believe in is that if we allow God to guide our lives, then our lives will be so much more than our biggest dreams that we had for ourselves. He knows our full potential and we don't know how to get there. We don't even know that it's a possibility to get where we can go, but he knows. And yes. If we well, and know the- those promptings and just let and wait, like you said, and don't give up and then our lives will be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I and I didn't like wrap this one up as nicely, but like it did turn out to be amazing. Yeah. It didn't right. turn out to just be okay. It did turn out to be amazing. And I guess there's one more little wrap up that I needed to do in there is like over the last five years, my husband's improved in his health oh, so in the good. most miraculous ways. Like he stopped That's taking great. those 12 different pain meds. He stopped walking on a cane. He's He actually switched to medical cannabis and then has um, started doing like Tai Chi and yoga. He now jogs for fun and he wow. now has had a job for the last 18 months that he loves. And he's like in the top three of his nationwide company. And he's actually doing really amazing. And like when we both got our degrees and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it. it takes time like sometimes we need those trials yeah to help us build up our strength mm-hmm. um to get to those other places and sometimes those trials are blessings like i didn't mm-hmm. see the gift in diabetes at first and i didn't see the gift in my rejection from the school of music at first yep but i did eventually mhm absolutely i um one of the books that I talk about a lot. Okay. I talk about a lot of books all the time, but one that I have referenced multiple times, it's called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, one of my, my Stampin' Up! upline originally recommended it. And it, when I first was introduced to the concept, it was when Lincoln was still in his frontline cancer treatment. And I kind of bristled at the whole concept of 
using obstacles to be your path to success, you know, I was like, yeah, I did not ask for this obstacle. But in hindsight, again, I always talk about hindsight, like the trials that I've been through, that Josh and I have been through, that my kids have been through. I have my my dream. Well, first of all, my first dream was to be a famous actress. So very similar to yours. And then I gave up on that. But for many years, I've wanted to publish books and be a writer. And as one of my former um, English professors has said to me, since, since I started writing again and whatnot, she was like, Becca, you have been blessed and cursed with good material. <laughs> like, I have plenty to write about, plenty to say. And so the obstacle is the way, like if I hadn't got, I've told people that going through those things has made me more brave. It's given me so many different gifts that I wouldn't be doing a podcast right now if I hadn't been through those trials. I wouldn't have built up those muscles that I needed to push through hard things. And so that's one thing that I love how you say that your trials can have, every blessing has um, a trial and every trial has a blessing. Yep, exactly. Thank you. It's just your perspective. It is. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Well, I have loved talking to you today. I wish we could keep talking longer, but we'll just have to schedule an in-person for real meetup. (laughs) Um, Several things I want to talk to you about with kids and everything. I'm so I'm sure I'll have you back. And at some point, I'm going to be on her podcast. It just has to. Oh, well, in February. Oh, yeah, it's scheduled in in like a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know when it will come out. That's what I should say. But I'll let you guys know. Is there anything that you want to say before we get off the call? Mm, Just that you matter. Mm -hmm. You matter so much. And your story matters. Like your story can help so many people. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know that until you start telling it Mm -hmm. absolutely thank you so much that's so true and especially in the world that we're talking of like the whole mom world you can never hear enough that your story is valid and when you hear someone else's story when they're being authentic and it resonates with with you it helps so much to know that you're not alone and guaranteed someone will resonate with your story if you are brave enough to tell it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Where can uh, the listeners find you on social media? Carolee Garrison on Facebook and Carolee.Garrison on Instagram. Perfect. And again, her two podcasts are Seeking Sunshine and Podcasts Like a Mother. Check them out and we will talk to you again later, Carolee. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you'd take a minute to do any or all of the following. First, follow or subscribe to Finding Joy Through Life's Trials. This will help make sure you don't miss any episodes. Just go to the podcast wherever you listen to it and click on follow, subscribe, or the plus sign. They all do the same thing. This is one of the best, easiest ways you can support me for free. So immense thanks to all of you who choose to do this. Second, it would also be incredible if you'd leave me a five-star review. Only do this if it's sincere though. Don't be a liar. Three, please also share this episode with anyone you think might like it or benefit from it. Finally, 
please go to my blog, mercy-rose.com, and sign up to receive my monthly newsletters if listening to me once a week just isn't enough. I appreciate you so much, and I can't wait till you tune in next time. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you again soon.